0: Happy Holy Week to everyone. Oh, you have no idea how good it feels to say that. Considering everything that we have been through. COVID-19 has taken so much from us. It took away a lot of us, our our weddings. Took away, yes, sadly, our funerals. It took away uh, a lot of church time. Especially like church time as in coming to church early before church to pray. A lot of us couldn't do that. We had to come to church like only five to 10 minutes before start time, sit there and not even move and then leave quickly. You know, that's what we had to do just to try to control this horrendous pandemic. So yeah, COVID-19 took away a lot of fellowship from the church and fellowship is important. Fellowship is where you draw strength from. It's where you draw edification from. COVID 19 took that from us. It took away uh, our altar calls. Ugh. Man, I miss altar calls, but praise God they are coming back, at least around here in Kansas City. It took away our restaurants. It took away so many things. But by God, it ain't going to take away the egg hunt. That's right, egg hunt. See, we believe in egg hunts around here. We celebrate Easter around here, and we certainly celebrate Christmas. I love trees. I love presents. I love Easter eggs, and I love chocolate bunnies. That's right, because I just believe those things are really geared towards families. No, we don't worship the trees. We don't worship the Christmas trees. That's just to give a little bit of a, a little bit of a visual, a visual prop of what winter looks like, and the gifts you know aren't for the trees. They're for everybody else, and there's certainly nothing wrong with giving gifts. And then Easter time, of course we all know rabbits don't lay eggs. And none of us in here worship the rabbits. But come on, look out in your backyard. I've got rabbits everywhere. <laughs> and uh, it's time for some candy. So, yeah, I believe that celebrating these things is just a practice of functional families. And you, you just, I've just seen a pattern of, of this through the years. People who don't believe in Christmas and don't believe in Easter come from a very dysfunctional family situation. They don't like family. Family is not a joy to them. Family is uh yelling and screaming and bossing around and control and there is no love. There is no joy. <laughs> Nobody answers each other's questions. There's just more questions. And it's just a uh cesspool of dysfunction. But for families that love each other, love joy, love happiness, you better believe it. We're going to be having fun this Easter. So I'm looking forward to celebrating with my family as I hope you are. Uh, yours. But we all know the real meaning of Christmas. And of course, we all know the real meaning of Easter, which I prefer to call the uh, day of resurrection. East Christmas, we celebrate the birth of our Lord. And on resurrection day, we celebrate the death, burial and the resurrection of our Lord. But uh, really, I I celebrate Holy Week. This is just a, a beautiful week in uh, Christian history, in Christian uh, religious practice and tradition. And uh, it starts with Palm Sunday, the Lord riding in on a donkey, and the people waved palms at him and, and cried out, Hosanna. That was a, a freedom cry of the Jews. They, they uh, used that, that uh, celebration with their coats down and their palm leaves way back to the, uh, uh, to the Maccabean Wars. When uh, the Jews, Israel was outnumbered greatly, greatly, the Greeks um, came in and conquered their lands, took their temple from them, and the Jews rose up and fought back, and God gave them victory, and how they celebrated was waving date palms and laying out their garments in the streets, and uh, they cried out, Hosanna, which means give us freedom, and that's what they did for Jesus. They were believing him to give them freedom from Rome. And they wanted that same victory as they had over the Greeks to have over the Romans. Well, certainly Jesus came as a king to conquer, but he didn't come to conquer Rome. He didn't come to conquer any country or any nation or any people. He came to conquer the real problem, the foundation of it all, and that is sin. Amen. And he gave his life for it victoriously. Yeah, Holy Week, those first uh, several days, the uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, all the religious court interrogated him and examined him on uh, taxes and and marriage and the resurrection, and all of them left dumbfounded, wouldn't ask him any more questions. So they could not openly, honestly uh, come against him. They had to uh, get a man on the inside, a betrayer, Judas, and uh, take Jesus through three illegal trials at night during the Passover and uh, Pilate just knew there was jealousy and envy, but everything he did was for politics. Even his wife knew that Jesus was a good man, had a spiritual dream about it. But yeah, they uh, falsely accused him, false blasphemous, accused him falsely of blasphemy. All of these things. False witness, let me tell you, is a major sin. It is a major sin, and there's a lot of false witness Uh, Going around these days, especially against the against the church and everything that is Christian and wholesome as being uh, Full of hate and full of racism In all reality, there is no greater love that you will find Than in the church of the living God that I can tell you believe me So you're back to listen. I am back to talk This is spirit signal with Justin Gleason a God Bible and church podcast Bringing you the freshly podcasted word, Holy Week 2021. Contact me at spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. Follow me at Justin C. Gleason on Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, please consider subscribing. Make Spirit Signal a part of your weekly weekly internet intake. And uh, be sure to share this episode with somebody. Podcasting is the future. I hear a thunder in the distance, see a vision of a I feel the pain that was given on a sad dear of loss. A lion rolls in the darkness, only he holds key. A light to free me from my burden and bring me life eternally. Yeah, we're we're uh, talking about Holy Week, and the Lord, it, you know, the whole week is covered in all of the Gospels, and I had a hard time really deciding what part I really want to choose. Uh, can I say this? I believe I don't. I know today is Friday. I don't really believe in Good Friday. I believe in Good Thursday, and yesterday was a special personal personal day for me. Uh, I, I believe the Lord died on Thursday. I believe He hung on the cross from. 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., a six-hour deal, and he hung on the cross in darkness. And why I believe that, just in short, he was in the grave for three days and three nights. Okay? He was buried for three days and three nights. We know emphatically, without a shadow of a doubt, I think everybody agrees with this, the Lord rose again on the first day of the week, Sunday. He rose in the morning on the first day of the week. Okay, let's count back three days from Sunday. Saturday, Friday, Thursday. It's that simple. And then you read the Gospel according to John. He was died. He he was t- led away on the on the uh, preparation day. Passover happens on Friday. The preparation day would have been on Thursday. Maybe we'll get into that possibly another time, but I believe in Good Thursday. But still, it doesn't really matter. You know, we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord every Sunday. It's all the time. You know, you don't have to celebrate an event on the actual date that it occurred. I mean, when's the last time you celebrated your birthday? When's the last time you celebrated your birthday? By the way, all you anti-Easter egg peoples, uh, don't celebrate your birthdays. That is very pagan, just so you know. There's no birthdays in the Bible. It's a pagan practice. You got to stop that. There's a lot of things you need to stop. By the way, anyway, um, say so I don't. I don't care if you celebrate Good Friday. I don't care when you celebrate uh, the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord. But I want to talk today about the place that Jesus was crucified. The place that he was crucified. It's known in, other, in some gospels as Calvary, the same place. It just kind of depends on uh, the translations of the Greek and. And uh, how things are written for the readers, you know. Sometimes you just have different names uh, for for various places. And in John's Gospel, John nineteen verse seventeen, it says, "And he bearing his cross went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha." where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Okay, I want to talk about this place in the Hebrew language called Golgotha. Golgotha, in the Greek it's called Calvary. Golgotha in the Hebrew, notice not Greek, but in Hebrew, Hebrew Hebrew is called the place of the skull. And I got to reading this years ago and I thought, where is this place? Where is Golgotha? And I took a trip to Israel for the first time nearly 10 years ago, and we came to the place where Jesus is crucified. You know what's really eerie about it? In the cliff, right where the spot was that they did crucifixions outside the city of Jerusalem, there is formed in the, in the rock in the cliff right by it, it looks like the face of a skull. I mean, you see the eyes, the nose, the mouth. I mean, it is really creepy looking. And as I was looking at it, just realizing I'm actually in the place. You know, when you go to Israel and you set foot in the holy sites and you're full of the Holy Spirit and you know the voice of God, you will know what is accurate and what is not. And can I tell you, the place of crucifixion is accurate, 100%. And not far from that, just a three-minute walk is the tomb. You know, And it agrees with the Gospels nearby, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. It's right there. Uh, Also, the upper room is accurate. That is the very place the Holy Spirit fell. And the list goes on. We'll get to that another time. But the place of the skull, and I really got to praying and seeking the Lord about it and studying external history as best I could. And let me tell you this. I study a lot of pseudographical books. And I enjoy studying uh, history and, and, and biblical encyclopedias and, and secondary outside sources out of the Bible. And I used to go really deep into that stuff. And I figured out a long time ago, you're going to drown if you go too deep in that. You want to really preach good. You want to make a difference. You want to make an impact. You want to please the Lord. Go deep in the Bible. Your Bible is your deep end. And then your secondary books and whatever, those are your shallow end. That's where you keep the floaties on. That's where you just kind of stay really simple in your understanding. Because there is a reason that back in the old days when they formed the canon of Scripture, where we derived doctrine, they chose these books because they knew that it was inspired of the Lord, that it bore witness of the truth, and it was trustworthy for doctrine. And that's where you want to stay. So I quit studying all the history. I quit studying all the secondary sources, and I got a word from God. Concerning Golgotha that I want to share with you, and it's in connection to giants. It sure is. Uh, I love giants. I have a lot of notes about giants, and I've been wanting to do a series on giants for a long time. You know, it's you gotta be at the right place at the right time and right moment. And who knows? Maybe this year we'll do it. I don't know. I've I've barely preached about it from the pulpit, just a little bit here and there, but. The wars and the battles against giants has a powerful message. And the existence of giants and their origins is, I'd say it's something else. But you had, uh, giants were not just known as giant, but they had several different Hebrew names uh, for them. Uh, For instance, Rephaim, very common. And it meant the lofty men. Lofty like real tall. Uh, They lived in the ancient territory of Bashan, Og was one of these giants he was a rephaim a lofty one you had zuzlim which means tall ones they lived north of the uh the arnon river the Amim, in hebrew that means terrible ones they dwelt on the east side of the dead sea in the territory of moab yeah the horim avim anakim several others and all of these uh translated into Hebrew mean a great one, a tall one, a wicked one, a powerful one, long-necked one, uh, cave dwellers. And there is actually uh, archaeological remains that giants existed in, in the land of Israel and in other regions uh, nearby. They're real. Probably the most famous giant, when you think of giants in your Bible, is Goliath. Absolutely, it is Goliath the champion of the Philistines, Goliath of Gath of the Philistines. He came out for 40 days and challenged Israel and said, send one man to fight. And that is how the victory will be decided. If you win, we will be your servants. If I win, you will be our slaves. So this is the battle that was going on. The verbal uh, insults being hurled for 40 days. And Philistines were proud of their champion. They loved Goliath of Gath. But you had uh, Israel over there. Where's their champion? Should have been Saul. Where is he? In his tent. (laughs) Nobody would go and fight except for David, a shepherd. His only great victories was slaying a lion and a bear, which I think is pretty tough, by the way. I can't say that I've slayed a lion. I can't say that I have slayed a bear. Maybe you have. I doubt it. We don't fight like that anymore. Maybe with a big gun. Yeah, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But back then, with sling and stone and bare hands, that's tough. Wow. And David came against this giant, slung a stone, wounded him in the head. He then took the giant's own sword and uh, severed his head off. And I can just imagine him holding up that head with all of the blood and guts dripping down. And just screaming like a primal battle cry in victory. Yes, absolutely. Now, I want you to think about this. Something in the Bible that I really love and enjoy studying is typologies or patterns in the Bible. Uh, a, a, uh, type, yeah, type and shadows, a copy of things to come. You look at this battle between Goliath and David. And I think it's very comparable to the Antichrist who will one day challenge the Lord Jesus Christ that we read about in the book of Revelation. Goliath blasphemed against God. He did. He he blasphemed the God of heaven. Antichrist will do this. He will blaspheme against God. Goliath had, uh, he was six cubits tall. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And then he also had six pieces of armor. He had a helmet. He had a shield. He had a sword. He had a javelin. He had a coat made of mail. And he had uh, uh, shin guards. There you have six cubits and a span, 600 shekels, six pieces of armor. What does that give you? Six, six, six. What is the number of the beast? 666. Goliath challenged Israel in a valley. Antichrist will challenge the Lord in the valley of Armageddon. King David fought a lion and a bear. Look at the Antichrist. What are his attributes? Lion and bear. Mm. David, as I mentioned, wounded the head of Goliath. Look in Revelation. That beast had a deadly wound In its head. Everyone feared Goliath except David, and all will fear the beast except the Lord Jesus Christ and those of us who are in heaven. Hmm. The typologies are definitely there compared to the Lord's victory over the Antichrist and David's victory over Goliath. It goes on Goliath wanted Israel to be enslaved to the Philistines. Satan wants us to be enslaved to him. Goliath defied the armies of Israel. What does Satan do? He accuses us day and night. Goliath insulted David's sticks. (laughs) His little sticks, his little shepherd's sticks. And what does Satan do? He mocks the cross. He mocks the cross. Goliath cursed David by his God Satan curses us by himself. So you have this great victory over Goliath. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 54, it says, David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. It doesn't say why. It doesn't give an interpretation or application. It just simply presents the fact that David took the severed head of Goliath. Imagine how massive that thing was. Probably smelled really bad, too. Oof. But David's a man of war, and you don't care. He kept his armor for himself in his tent, but he took the head and took it to Jerusalem and buried the head of Goliath in Jerusalem. That's what the Bible says. That's not Matthew Henry. That's not Adam Clark. That's not Google.com. That is Bible. 1 Samuel seventeen fifty four. He took the head of Goliath and buried it in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was different in the time of David. It was actually not even known by the name Jerusalem. It was called Jebus, Yebus, And it, was, uh, it wasn't even the capital yet of Israel. It was just a city inhabited by a Canaanite tribe, the Jebusites. Uh, it was 20 miles away from the Valley of Elah, if you look in your Bible maps in the back of your Bible. He walked 20 miles to a Canaanite city that did not belong to Israel. Had no significance or no meaning at that time, and that is where he buried the head of the giant. David would later on go on to kill the last of the giants, Goliath's sons. A great victory, is a great battle. No wonder the kingship and the and and the lineage and Messiah would come through David. I mean, he's a man of war, not only cutting off the Canaanite tribes, claiming the territory that God promised to Abraham, fulfilling the word of the Lord. But in taking down these giants, oh, that's tough. And there's no way he could have done that alone. No way he could have done that alone. But it's just interesting that he buries the head of Goliath in Jerusalem. Why did he do this? And I feel I've got revelation on this. David did this because he was prophetic. See, David was not just a warrior and king, but he was also a prophet. And when he would get to play in that harp and sing in those songs, so the spirit of prophecy would come upon him. And he would declare and foretell the future. David got a glimpse of one of his sons, his sons, somebody way down the line of his lineage, who Messiah would be, the Lord Jesus Christ. And David prophesied and wrote of him in the Psalms, Psalm 2, The Lord said unto me, Thou art my son, today I have, have I begotten thee. Psalm 8, Thou hast given him dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All things under his feet. Mm. Psalm 16, For thou dost not give me up to Sheol, or hell, or lest thy godly one seize the pit. Psalm 22, For the dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones, they look and stare at me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, David grew the kingdom of Israel. He grew it to its fullest. He sure did. And in doing that, he saw a glimpse of the glory that would one day come for Israel that would be fulfilled during Messiah. I got to studying these things, David's visions of the Lord, especially that was put all things under his feet. That's a prophecy concerning Messiah. Taking these prophecies I just read to you and comparing them to the head of the giant being buried in Jerusalem. And I have found other resources to support this. But it is thought to be that the place that David buried the head of Goliath outside of Jerusalem Became the place that they stoned people. From the time of David, uh, you know, even to the intertestamental period, uh, God did not command Israel to behead people, unless it was their enemies, of course. But as far as capital punishment for um, for murder, for uh, adultery, uh, for witchcraft, for making idols, any of those things. Uh, You were you were put to death and you weren't hung. You weren't drowned in the sea. No, you were beat to death by a stone. Okay, David, how did he conquer Goliath? Well, his first thing was the, the stone smacked a stone right in the head. It's a form of stoning. Of course, he finished him off with the sword. Okay, the place that they buried, that David buried the head of the giant. David established that place to become the place they stoned people. So Goliath's head is buried in the earth. You know what they called that place? The place of the skull. The place (laughs) of the skull. Now think about this even deeper. The name Goliath in Hebrew, Goliath. Goliath. From Greek to English, Goliath. Goliath of Gath, Hebrew Gat. Goliat Goth, Goliat Gath. <laughs> what does that sound a lot like? Goliat Gath from Hebrew to Greek to English. You know what it sounds a lot to me like? Gol-gatha. Gol-gatha. That's right. And I'm sure by now you've put two and two together. Where Jesus died, he died in the same very place that David buried the head of the Philistine. Goliath of Gath, the place of the skull. Hmm. They quit stoning people. They did because the Romans came in, took over. They were in charge now of capital punishment. The Romans didn't like the stoning because stoning was too quick. Stoning, you could get it over very quickly. There wasn't a lot of suffering, just one one slam, boom, it's over. The crucifixion was bleeding a man to death. It was a slow, painful death. They had their way with you as long as they wanted to. You weren't killed. You were led to death. And that is where they crucified people. And even our guide confirmed it. That very place, archaeological evidence has been found there at the place of the skull where Jesus is said to die. That is, in fact, the very place that they stoned people. There's archaeological evidence for it. So Jesus on a cross died over the place, the very place that David buried the head of the giant about a thousand years before the Lord and this would make sense for the prophecy found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15 God says to Adam and Eve I will put enmity between you and the woman Or, excuse me, to Satan and Eve, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and his seed, he shall bruise he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So literally, in the prophecy, Messiah would defeat the seed of Satan, head to heel. Well, what is the seed of Satan? I think it was giants. I really do. I really believe the sons of God, as the Bible says. I take it literally. Sons of God came to the daughters of men took them as wives, and bore children with them, and their children were called Nephilim, which means mighty ones. A race of the giant. That's right. Mm. Wow. As David conquered the seed of Satan and buried that head, he knew prophetically where the Lord would die a thousand years later. The Lord fulfilled that prophecy with his heel, nailed to a cross right over the head of that giant. Now, David eliminated the giant race. There was no more giants after David. But there still yet remained their spiritual fathers, devils, alive and roaming through the earth. And Jesus came to cast out Satan and to bring his kingdom down, and he did it on a cross. He suffered, bled, and died over the decayed head of a giant, symbolizing his victory. Amen. For you and I, over Satan and over sin. It is no wonder that Paul and all the New Testament writers, looking at Jesus, looking back at the Old Testament, seeing all of these type and shadows and seeing all of these victories and seeing all of these powerful spiritual things that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, when you think of death, you think of loss. You think of defeat. But Jesus on that cross, it was victory. He was conquering sin and death because he was making atonement for it. On that cross, all of the sins of the world were being placed upon him, and he died and shed his innocent blood and became the sacrifice for it. He conquered the giants. He conquered the demons. He conquered the principalities. He conquered the powers. He conquered the spiritual host of wickedness in high places. He did that on the cross, and he did it for you and I. Nobody would go and challenge Satan. Nobody was brave enough to challenge Satan. But Jesus Christ, like David, who said, I'll get out there and fight, he got out there and fight and endured the pain, and he endured the suffering. He endured the shame. He endured the exposure. He endured the false accusations, the blasphemy. He endured the injustice of that crucifixion. Why? He did it because he loved Israel. He did it for because he loved the world. He did it because he loved the sons and daughters of mankind. He saw what Satan had done, not only through giants, but through demon possession, through wickedness, through sin, he saw what it did to mankind and God said I'm not going to allow the devil to get away with this much longer. And he suffered and bled and died so you and I wouldn't have to. It should have been you and I on that cross. But the Lord got on that cross for us. He did it. I've got a revelation from it. You can argue with me all you want. I don't really care. I don't care at all. I'm to the point now where I really don't care if you disagree with me. You know what? I disagree with you. He died over the head, the very burial place of that giant. Golgotha, Goliath of Gath. That's where they took in stone people for blasphemy. And what did they accuse Jesus of? Blasphemy. <laughs> Everybody else at that, up until that point was worthy of death, but not the Lord. He was not worthy. Not worthy to die. No reason at all, but you and I were worthy of death. And that is why he got on that cross. Saul should have fought Goliath, but he wouldn't do it. So David fought him for him. Israel should have just said, forget this deal and covenant Goliath's trying to make. Let's just attack him right now and destroy him. That's what they should have did, but no, they wouldn't do it because of fear. But it took a shepherd boy who knew how to prophesy and knew how to defend his sheep, and he said, I'm going to defend God's people. I'm not going to let this giant talk about my God the way he's going to talk about him. I'm not going to let him defy the armies of Israel. That's what Jesus did. He commanded the demons to be silent. He commanded the demons to leave the land. And he commands everybody, everywhere, repent of your sins. And obey the gospel. And come into his kingdom. Hmm. Praise God. That's the message of the resurrection. That is the message of the burial. That is the message of the cross. It's Jesus did what nobody else could for victory. He did it so you and I could one day have peace and one day live forever with Him. That's right. After that great victory, David was given Saul's daughter, Michael, because of his victory over the giant. He was given his daughter, Michael. And at Christ's death, what was he given? His bride, the church. He fought for us, and we are his. That's why we celebrate this week. It's because he hung on a cross, suffered and bled and died so you and I wouldn't have to. He gave us victory over every giant we face, over every devil we face, over every obstacle. And he did it with his own blood. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Thank you and God bless you. Month of March, 2020, we only published two episodes. I did uh, quite a bit of traveling in the month of March and uh, took some time away from the podcast. And, uh, I, and it was and it was time away, well deserved. My goodness, I think I did nine episodes straight. I mean, whew. you know, uh, th- doing this it is not easy. It's work. It really does, and it usually after I'm done, I'm like sweating. You know, I get into it. And uh but I, I love doing it. I believe that uh we're making a difference doing this and I uh I just love the word of God and I I love uh I l I love God. I love the Bible, I love church, I love I love uh this generation and this time that we're in, and I just love to look at it, study it, and then talk about it. But I really do th- I do this for God and I do this for you all. You all. I uh I was at a I was at a Missouri District camp meeting and got to meet uh, several listeners, people who I'd never met face to face, come up to me and said, "Justin Gleason, oh my goodness, it's you! I love your podcast." And I'm like, "Wow," because <laughs> you know you don't know always who you're listening to. And can I tell you, it is just so neat to see the um, diversity that listens to that listens to Spirit Signal. Uh, I I made this with 18 uh, year old boys in mind. <laughs> That's kind of what I. You know, the music and the way I talk and everything, that's kind of who I have in mind. But I am shocked at how many uh, ladies, godly, classy ladies, listen to this. And I had a, a pastor's wife come up to me and she said, Oh my goodness, I love your podcast. I was like, You've got to be kidding me. She says, Oh no, I listen to it every week. <laughs> and uh, I just, uh, that makes me, uh, that just brings me joy that uh, people are finding value in my message. But uh, the March 2020, we put out two episodes. Let me tell you this. The downloads were still there. I couldn't believe it. But uh, this podcast is growing. Thank you for helping making that happen. So you have uh, in, the much, in, the, in the month of March 2020, all across the world, outside of North America, coming in at number three is Ireland. Ireland, who is usually number one. You are down at number three. Number two, the Philippines. And number one, the nation of Spain. Thank you so much for all of our international listeners. On over here into North America, up into Canada. Coming in, second runner-up, number two, New Brunswick. New Brunswick has made it into the top two. Thank you, New Brunswick. New Brunswick. And then number one, British Columbia. Thank you, Canada your listenership. We love you and uh, we're praying for you. We're going to get through this pandemic in Jesus name. Down here to the United States of America. This land is our land. Number 10, Colorado. Number nine, Pennsylvania. Number eight, Florida. Number seven, Arkansas. Number six, Michigan. Number five, Ohio. Number four, Illinois. Number three, Texas. Number two, yep, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And then number one, the Golden State, California. That's right. Missouri, you've been dethroned in the in the month of March 2021. I think I said 2020. I meant 2021. We're in 2021. This has been March 2021 stats. Missouri, you've been dethroned. But I've got a theory why this happened. I noticed uh, back last summer, Missouri downloads dipped. I then noticed it also around Thanksgiving and then around Christmas and New Year's. And then I noticed it uh, in March. And I think I know why. I know for a fact that there is a major, major group of listeners at Urshan College. listen to me and what i think's going on is during summer during the uh breaks like thanksgiving and christmas all that spring break now all those urchin kids leave and go home and they take their downloads to their home states (laughs) and that's why we have numbers all over the board so uh urchin thank you for listening thank you uh for making spirit signal a part of your podcast consumption and that means a lot to me because Urshan attracts really smart guys and girls. It attracts uh, people who are really serious about ministry and then lets me know. I've got something to say if you all are downloading it. So thank you so much for your loyal listener loyal listenership. We love you and we wish you continued success and blessings in education and ministry. We picked up some phenomenal reviews uh, here recently. Uh, let me, I'm reading from Apple podcast, Apple podcast reviews, Miss Rach Aline. I think I know who this is. That is Rachel Carpenter, the host of the Wicked or wise podcast, phenomenal podcast. She says the spirit of God is speaking through this podcast. The Holy ghost falls on me during each episode. The messages are clear and they're vital. Listen, believers, listen. Thank you so much. We have Lindsay Elms. Lindsay Elms. She says, I love this podcast. My friend got me hooked on this one, and I love it. Brother Gleason has me cracking up on almost every episode, and it hurts to laugh at times. Oh, (laughs) that funny, huh? Well, good. I listened to this podcast on my drives, and this past weekend, or week actually, when I was driving back to school, I listened to I don't know how many episodes. Urshan had their pulpit conference, and literally every episode I listened to it, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. I just love how God works, and these episodes that I listened to fell in line with what I received at Urshan conference. That's pretty cool. Dylan HP2O. I'm 99% sure this is Dylan Parkey. He says, this podcast is absolutely incredible. It's down-to-earth content. Down-to-earth content is what is needed for a world that is as equally down-to-earth about its beliefs and convictions. This podcast gives a great voice for apostolic and great content as well. Dylan Parkey, Dylan P. P.S. great, Great job, Missouri Gang, supporting this podcast. Yes, thank you, Missouri. Rachel Lavender says, if you learn to escape temptation, you escape damnation. Fire. That's right. That's right. That has become a major buzz phrase around here in the Spirit Signal community. So thank you so much, listeners. Thank you so much for being a loyal audience, a great people. Thank you so much for great reviews. But most importantly, thank you so much for loving God. Thank you so much for loving the Bible. Thank you so much for loving the church. Let's have a phenomenal Easter weekend. Jesus is alive, and he is alive inside of us. try something fun this resurrection sunday take some peeps put them on a plate stick them in your microwave and cook them watch them get huge